You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. It's a great football team with a lot of moral fiber and a lot of character, and they showed it. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. No place else you'd rather be than right here, right now. When it's too tough for them, it's just right. Presented by Syracuse.com and NYUP.com. The Bills make me wanna. What is up, everybody? Thank you for spending some of your early Tuesday night with us right here on Shout, a Buffalo Bills football podcast brought to you, as always, by Topps Friendly Markets. And right now, Topps Famous Fish Fry is only $10.99 for a huge portion of beer-battered haddock, fries, coleslaw, and a dinner roll. It's the best deal on the most delicious fish fry in town, only at your neighborhood uh, Topps. Uh, Top's Famous Fish Fry is so famous that it's available every single day, all year long. Fish fries aren't just a Lent or Friday thing at Top's. Get the best deal on the most delicious fish fry in town at your neighborhood Top's. He's Ryan Talbot back in Western New York. I am Matt Perino here in Indianapolis at the NFL Scouting Combine where we got a chance to talk to Brandon Bean, Sean McDermott. Huge news, news dump this morning that the Bills were informed last week that Defensive coordinator Leslie Frazier is stepping away from coaching in 2023, plans to return in 2024, what things will look like on the other side of things. It's going to be interesting. We're going to break this thing down from every single angle here today on Shout. Ryan Talbot, what's up, my friend? Hey, not too much. I mean, you you said it. You, you thought it was going to be kind of a prospect kind of driven combine. All of a sudden, we get this news this morning that all of a sudden, Leslie Frazier uh, is taking a year away from the game. And now there's plenty of questions about this Bills defense in, in terms of a coaching perspective going forward. There's so many angles to kind of dive in at this. And it was it was shocking because if you go back to the end of the season, Ryan, I think a lot of people were, you know, having the the conversation about what the future should be at the at the defensive coordinator position. It's Leslie Frazier. It's a guy that commands a lot of respect. He's had a great run. As I wrote in the first story that went out today, six, three of his six years, the Bills finished top five in total defense. I mean, when you're looking at the totality of his tenure, it's a really successful one. But it ended in a bad spot for the third consecutive year. I mean, if you go back to Kansas City in the AFC title game, obviously what Patrick Mahomes was able to do in that game, the AFC divisional round game last year, and then what Joe Burrow and company did in Orchard Park uh, a little more than a month ago, you know, a lot of fans wanted changes, you know, and, and a lot of people pointed to Leslie Frazier, maybe bringing in a new defensive coordinator. Sometimes it's, you got to be careful what you wish for, but the timing of this, I think is the best place to start because it's really interesting. It's a, you know, the first thing you start to think about when something like this happens is, okay, Leslie Frazier is out of the blue, stepping away from coaching. Like, is this something where maybe the bills didn't want to fire him and maybe suggested that this might be the route to take, 
But that seems a little bit curious because wouldn't that be something that they would have probably pushed for right after the season ended? I mean, this is something that's coming weeks and weeks and weeks after the end of the season and even weeks after the Super Bowl. The timing of it doesn't seem to make sense, really. I mean, unless it's just Leslie Frazier deciding, I just want to take a step back, take a deep breath, like Brandon Bean said today. There's a lot kind of at play here. Yeah, and listen, the timing of it stinks, Matt. There's no other way to go about this. Uh, Brandon Bean said today that, to his knowledge, this has nothing to do with health. And you and I were talking pre-show. If this had anything to do with the health of Leslie Frazier, and if it ends up being the case, then by all means, him stepping away, do it whenever, when you find things out like this. But when Brandon Bean said he doesn't think health had anything to do with this, the timing of it's awful uh, for the Bills. Because the Bills now are on the outside looking in when it comes to a lot of the candidates that were available. And and maybe the Bills wouldn't have gone any of the routes of the Vic Fangio or any of the big names that were hired elsewhere. But this also took Buffalo's chances away of interviewing those guys, getting an outside perspective. At this point in the game, I don't know if they even look at outside. I think they stick with the coaches on the inside. They stick with Sean McDermott. We'll, and we'll go deep into that. But you're right. The timing of this is is probably the biggest deal of, of this news to me. To me, the writing's been on the wall. Like when we started talking about the Al Holcomb hire a couple of weeks ago, it seemed like, okay, you bring in Al Holcomb as a senior defensive assistant. He's kind of in line, right, to be the next defensive coordinator if you don't already want to go in-house with a young option and a guy like Bobby Babich or a veteran route of a John Butler who would be a first-time D.C. or an experienced D.C. and Eric Washington, who's been a little bit underwhelming in his role as defensive line coach. But if you're talking about respect in the building, Sean McDermott and company, they love Eric Washington. And Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott both talked about that today. They're plenty comfortable with the defensive minds that they have in the building. And it's going to be an interesting conversation as we get to Sean McDermott taking the lead of the defense right now and what that future looks like. But just in terms of the option... The, play, the, the, the coaches that are in place right now, this could kind of shift who the Bills are as a defense. Those conversations could be happening. And I think Holcomb being uh, now in the mix, Joe Dana, who comes in, Sean McDermott with no previous um, experience working or coaching with Joe Dana, but mentioned today that he came very highly regarded with his ability to develop defensive backs, uh, safeties in particular. This could be a shift away from maybe what traditionally they've done. And I wonder if maybe even Sean McDermott doesn't look in the mirror when it comes to some of those conversations. Yeah, I, I think that this is a good opportunity for them to evaluate themselves as a team. And Leslie Frazier did a great job as a defensive coordinator. I know the playoff losses leave a bad taste in the mouth of the Bills Mafia, the, the Bengals blowout, the blowout in 2020 to the Chiefs, and obviously the 13 seconds loss. But he had a top five unit more times than not. He had a defense that came ready to play. But now you can kind of evaluate why did we always fall short in the playoffs? Why were they giving up all these points in, in, in these critical moments, um, not playing like a top defense? And you're right. Sean McDermott can look in the mirror. He can lean on some of those veterans that they have already on this roster. And then you mentioned it, Bobby Babich. Uh, I think he's viewed as a... Uh, a star in the making in terms of being a coach here uh, in this organization. Maybe you go with a younger mind like that uh, because if Sean McDermott is going to have a hand in the play calling, 
Uh, why not go with a young mind like that, where he, I'm sure that he has some ideas, some changes in mind. Uh, and, and I think he's done a really good job since he's joined this organization. Yeah. And so th- the next obvious point to get into is just McDermott taking the lead in terms of the defense right now in the offseason. And then the evaluation process that's going to take place over the next couple of weeks and months to figure out if he should just keep that role moving into the season. And it's interesting because it's his defense at the end of the day. Like I almost feel like taking some kind of ownership of it. And I think it'd be a good thing. The problem is you have a really young play caller in Ken Dorsey. It's not like what was going on with Brian Dable in the past sure. where you can almost have him run that side of the ball and take a hands-off approach. I, th- I still think McDermott has to have his hands in the cookie jar to a degree. If, if things are going in a game off, off the rails offensively, and McDermott's running the defense. Sure, I think that there's probably a protocol where he can hand things off to an Eric Washington or an Al Holcomb or a Bobby Babich or a, a John Butler, whoever the whoever the, the the person would be. But I just wonder, from a functionality perspective, you know, is it the best use of his time to be spending all game week preparing game plan wise? You know, coming up with the game plan, installing the game plan, being in those defensive meeting rooms as the defensive play play caller, developing that rapport with potentially Ryan, a brand new defensive play caller on the field if they're not able to retain Tremaine Edmonds. That's another piece of this, too. And also why I think Al Holcomb probably was brought in to begin with. He's kind of like that linebacker specialist that if they do have to develop Terrell Bernard or if they draft a player or bring in a new piece, he's going to be a good um, piece to have in the, in those meeting rooms. But I just wonder, is Sean McDermott at the level of his career as a head coach where you can have full trust and faith in him to, from a game management perspective, carry that baton while also doing all the things that would be required of him if he's like the Bills defensive coordinator and play caller? Yeah, it's... It's unknown, Matt. I mean, the, the very few coaches can do this successfully. And you can look at guys like Andy Reid, offense and defense that are completely different things. You, you can look at a guy like Frank Reich. He was just hired in Carolina. And he said he's going to start out kind of as the offensive coordinator as well, play, uh, doing all the play calls. But he plans to hand it off at some point. I would hope that the Bills have a similar plan in place, whether it's one of the coaches that they've had on staff for a few years, uh, someone like Holcomb that just can't kind of came aboard as uh, in the last few weeks. I, I would I think he's going to stretch himself a little bit too thin if he tries to do this over the course of an entire season, a playoff run, a head coach. You have so many responsibilities that you need to take care of on a week to week basis that having the sole focus of running this defense, I just don't know if it's something that can be done. Like I said, over that whole uh, course of a regular season playoff time as well. Um, Jessica, thank you for the super chat uh, mentions that there are five former offensive coordinators on the staff. That's going to be interesting. I I, I want to see what this co- coaching staff looks like on the other side of things. You know, Joe Brady was in a lot of ways a failed offensive coordinator. So I know he's a hot name and somebody that has a lot of respect around the league. Aaron Cromer was like an interim offensive coordinator. And and I think in a lot of ways, like Sean McDermott actually today was quick to mention the fact, first of all, him and Brandon Bean both mentioned unprovoked. You know, it's 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 something to go 13 and three with all the different things that they were kind of having to go through this year. And I agree. It's something we've talked about on the show. Not to toot their own horn or anything, but 
Offen- new offensive coordinator, new play caller, new offensive line coach, new quarterbacks coach. Sometimes we've talked about this, Ryan. Like, I think that's a little bit too much. Like in, in the kitchen, when you're trying to figure out who you're going to be. Like we've we talked a lot about this identity piece, right? And I, and I guess we could veer here for a second. We're spending a lot of time talking about Frazier, but this is something I want to get into because Sean McDermott today said something super interesting and, and it, and it kind of goes into this offensive coordinator point. And I'm glad that Jessica brought this up. I don't know if Sean McDermott can just sit back and say, all right, Aaron Cromer, Ken Dorsey, and Joe Brady, they got to figure it out. They'll figure it out. Any problem that comes up in the game offensively, I trust them to figure it out. I, I still think Ken Dorsey's got to be that CEO. And I think there's probably an element of, you know, if you're Aaron Cromer, if you're Joe Brady, different stages of their careers. But if you've been in that seat before, you probably have a take on how the job's to be done. So there's a, an element to that that I think sometimes McDermott from a, you know, head coaching perspective should probably fly into that, those situations and handle them. Um, I saw one person that mentioned, um, yeah, Shula, Jessica is the other person. I wonder if he's on the staff next year. I want to see that, how that transpires, but that's a side conversation about Dorsey getting out of the box and going and calling plays on the sideline as something that can maybe supercharge their offense a little bit. I think that's interesting. They never really tried it, Ryan. But anyway, I'm getting down a, a road here. So Sean McDermott was asked about the offense and Stefan Diggs's comments about the first nine weeks of the season having this recipe for success when the passing game was high flying. And then Sean McDermott said, hey, credit to Aaron Cromer. That run game really got going down the stretch of the last nine, nine weeks. And I'm like, OK, what do you want to be, though? Do you want to be that offensive firepower team from a passing perspective that was high flying the first nine weeks? Or do you want to be this more run centric team? that Stephon Diggs didn't, didn't seem to be a fan of. And Sean McDermott said, well, it's about marrying those two things together. And that's what the offseason's for, figuring out your identity. I think it's interesting, like, what they're going to be, not to mention the fact that you shoehorn in there, that he's like, Bijan Robinson, I like what I've seen. And sure, we could add a, a running back, a high workload running back into this offense. Heads, Pets' heads are falling off here in Indianapolis, <laughs> right? A lot to take in. Yeah, you know, you mentioned marrying the 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 two the the run game, the pass game. How much of that though, really, in terms of Aaron Cromer with the offensive line play? How much they had to do with Josh Allen's injury? Because didn't that happen in that Jets game around Week Nine? Didn't they have to lean on the run game a little bit more? Uh, so while Cromer did a good job in the eyes of Sean McDermott, they almost were their own worst enemy in terms of not allowing the run game to get going to have a bigger role uh, or to try to figure out over those first nine weeks. But when your offense is rolling, how do you go to it? So you hope that this offseason truly those conversations are had saying, listen, you know, Josh Allen's our quarterback. He's a top two, top three QB in this league. We should obviously, you know, rely on him. We should use him, utilize him as much as possible. <laughs> but if we keep having him be a one man show, we're, we're digging ourselves into a hole in certain situations. Uh, and they do have to get the run game more involved early in the year. They can't wait for Allen to suffer some kind of injury that hampers his play and limits him as a QB. They have to come out week one and say, okay, we don't want to be a run first team. We don't want our guys having 25, 30 carries by the end of the game, but we also have to get them going. We have to give them a a dozen, our top back, a dozen carries. We have to get James Cook more involved in the passing game. If that's going to be his role, because it felt like at times Certain players, whether you're talking uh, the running backs, whether you're talking Dawson Knox at times over the course of the year, 
they were almost ignored in this offense. They weren't utilized. And then when they were needed or, or things had to be changed, they came on when their number was called. But hmm. there wasn't a lot of they, – they weren't in sync as an offense at times in terms of utilizing all their playmakers. So with a young offensive coordinator like Ken Dorsey, with all these voices in the room, they do have to come together. But in the regular season, can McDermott trust those guys to all come together and be able to run the offense efficiently? I don't know. I think that's why, as head coach, he still needs to have a, a pretty big role in terms of overseeing it all. And he also said there's there's a big difference between – he McDermott specifically said being an offensive-minded coach, calling the offense, and being the head coach at the same time. Because a lot of the game management stuff, he, he was quick to point out, happens when your offense is on the field. So it's almost more like a more natural fit. Whereas opposed to when you're calling the defense, you're, you're, you're in between series. You know, you look at Leslie Frazier over on the sideline. He's talking to Tremaine Edmonds. He's talking to Jordan Poyer, Micah High, Von Miller about the next defensive series. It's going to be tough to navigate that if you're Sean McDermott. And then, oh, by the way, focus on what the offense is doing. And do I go for it on fourth down? The Bills have been really, really good the last two or three seasons in that fourth down, like, should I, should I uh, not go for it? And those, uh, uh, just just the, the the analytics on that, I feel like, have really been in the Bills' favor the last couple of years. Those are all things that come into play when you're making this decision, and they want to take their time to make it, which I do respect to a degree, but I also think there's a problem here too, Ryan. The willingness to take the decision and potentially hand things over to Sean McDermott is twofold. Number one, Maybe you had this in mind anyway, if you were to move on from Leslie Frazier, that just was like, all right, let's, let's just give Sean McDermott the control of this. Or you don't have a candidate on staff that's so far in a, away, the easy decision to place into that role. And if you don't have, if you have a bunch of people, maybe you don't have anybody, I guess. Yeah. And when it comes to the latter part of that, you, you talked about Eric Washington and the fact that he's, you know, he hasn't been overly impressive as the Bills D-line coach. And you talk about Bobby Babbage. He's still a pretty young guy. Uh, I think that John Butler has done a great job and he's the passing game coordinator. Do you want to add more onto his plate knowing full well, though, that he's also the defensive backs coordinator and they might have some different guys back there next year or he has to keep developing these younger players like a Kyrie Elam. It, it, it's tough to say we're going to pull one of those guys and put them into that role right out of the gate. Holcomb's new here. Uh, obviously, like you said, good with linebackers, has a track record. But we don't uh, – Bills fans, I should say, don't have much to, to rely on. Sean McDermott doesn't have much in terms of a uh, – to rely on. They had some Carolina time together, but it's a completely different team here in Buffalo. McDermott's the head coach. Uh, I just think that, like you said, there's a lot of guys, but no one is that clear-cut choice right now. And the going back to our first talking point, the timing uh, had this happened after the playoff loss, had this happened after the Super Bowl. Who's to say that they're not out interviewing some of these guys that have been uh, hired elsewhere? And I get it. I, I've heard Bills fans today say who in their right mind would come be the defensive coordinator for one year, knowing that Leslie Frazier might come back in 2024. I get that talking point. We're going to talk more about that here in a little bit, but. To me, I, I think the Bills are in a real tough spot right now because, like you said, I don't think there's a, a certain coach on this roster right now that maybe Sean McDermott is confident saying he can take over as that full-time defensive coordinator. I think you're going to have to have a handoff situation where McDermott has a huge role in this defense 
early on in the season and he's almost working with someone to kind of pass the baton on to them at some point you would hope in the first four five six weeks of the year Shout, a buffalo football podcast hosted by matt perino and ryan talbot get ready for the greatest roast of all time the roast of tom brady a netflix live event happening may 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Frazier in general, I think we should talk about just his tenure. I mean, this is a six-year run as defensive coordinator that I think sometimes – listen, I get it. Everybody wants to win a Super Bowl. Um, Bills fans, you know, this build has been something that's been so exciting and you you set your expectations so high and to have the season end the way that it has the last couple of years. You want changes. You want to figure out to fine-tune the program to to make it the most – a uh, realistic shot to win a championship, right? And if you think that some of the fault or some of the you know, faulty part of this thing has been on the defensive side of the ball with Leslie Frazier, I get it. But I stand by the fact that I think I'm still kind of bummed that he never got a head coaching job because I think there also is a difference between what your role is as a defensive coordinator, calling the plays, and what your role would be as a head coach in terms of bringing a team together, setting a culture, finding the right people and and doing it all the right way. I think that he probably learned a lot from his six years in Buffalo after kind of a failed stint in Minnesota. And, you know, a lot has to go right. First of all, in the NFL for this thing to work, you have to have the quarterback, you got to have, you know, the organizational support, have a little bit of runway. I think, you know, the bill McDermott found a, a perfect situation with, you know, a regime that, if you think back to that, Ryan, we were joking around a little bit about Rex Ryan being a potential defensive coordinator candidate earlier today. But if you think back on the end of that Ryan tenure, no matter what happened with McDermott, he was going to have some runway with Pagula just because I don't think they wanted to flip this thing again. So even if things didn't you know, materialize and maybe they didn't make the playoffs for a couple of years, I still think he had three year a three-year window to try to rebuild. And I, I just don't know if Leslie Frazier – was ever looking at a potential opportunity to have that. And it's kind of a bummer because I just think the way people talk about him, to me, this is such a people business. The way people talk about Leslie Frazier when the cameras aren't rolling, I think is his one of his biggest check marks on his resume is that he made an impact on all the people that he interact with in the building. Yeah, leadership, culture, all of that, Matt, leads me to believe that he could have been uh, a good head coach in terms of his second stint had he gotten that opportunity elsewhere was a finalist for the Texans job last year uh, was receiving some interviews during his tenure not this year obviously uh, but had opportunities and interviews and just never panned out I think that a second stint 
for him as a head coach would have been a lot different than how things turned out in that first uh, go around. And like I said earlier, the playoff losses, the way that some of these games ended left this really bad taste in in, uh, the, the mouths of the Bills Mafia. But you look at what he did over his tenure as defensive coordinator. He came in 2017, Sean McDermott, and they kind of had a game plan saying, you know what? Micah Hyde, Jordan Poyer, these are guys that can help us turn this defense around. They're guys that we can uh, lean on. Tredavious White in that draft. Taron Johnson uh, comes along as well. They draft Milano, Edmonds. He did such a good job in terms of free agent additions, draft picks. And I know a lot of that goes to Brandon Bean in the front office and Sean McDermott, but you can't tell me that Frazier didn't have a hand in that. And maybe he wasn't as much of a say in terms of the free agent signings or the draft picks, but he also developed a lot of these young guys. He got some of the career best seasons out of some of these guys. Uh, even players that aren't necessarily difference makers. You look at AJ Epinesa, six and a half sacks this past year. Frazier has a, a played a role in that. We, we've seen Greg Rousseau go from four to eight sacks year one to year two. Leslie Frazier had a role in that. He he did a good job. There's a lot more positives than negatives at the end of the day when you're looking at Leslie Frazier and his tenure in Buffalo. It, it's just a shame that those playoff losses probably uh, overshadow a lot of that in the minds of Bills fans. Jessica with another super chat asked, do you think Frazier will be Bills defensive coordinator again? You know, honestly, it's 63 years old. He'll turn 64, uh, I believe, this year or early next year. I don't. I, I think this is the kind of thing where you step away from the game. And I mean, I don't know, like if, if you need a if you need a break, first and foremost, I mean, that's, you know, just to take a breath. And, you know, you know, he's coached in the NFL for a long time. You know, who knows if he doesn't get on the other side of that and enjoy some of the the free time and just maybe get back into football and like maybe some type of consulting role or maybe even like, a, you know, some type of advisor role. I mean, a lot like Mike Shula is doing now at the, in, in the latter part of his career. I think the Bills are going to move in a direction, whether it be Sean McDermott calling the plays and then figuring out what the defensive coordinator spot looks like. I do think there's a part of this conversation that's really interesting, Ryan. Like, in a lot of ways, this mirrors, without the pageantry of it, what New England did last year with their offensive coordinator job, right? Like, Bill Belichick basically, like, didn't name a replacement for Josh McDaniels and then, like, was like, Oh, well, we have Matt Patricia here and Joe Judge. Neither of them really did anything offensively, you know, here before. But let's let them duke it out and see who's going to call plays. The Bills aren't going with that approach. I mean, if there's anybody that, you know, Sean Sean McDermott looks at to help him run the defense, it's going to be a defensive-minded coach and somebody that's kind of been in the wings already or an Al Holcomb that he has a history with. But, yeah, interesting from that factor, just going in with the with the uncertainty and the un- unknown right now, I don't think that that will necessarily be the case. I think they'll probably land on a spot where Sean McDermott's the defensive corner or they go with somebody else. But right now, it's interesting. Yeah, with Leslie Frazier, I'd be stunned if he came back and was the defensive coordinator of the Bills in 2024. Uh, maybe he does get an advisor role in Buffalo or get some new job title. But I, I just don't think in, in most fields – if someone says, I'm going to take a year off, you're going to get replaced in some way, shape, or form. Internally, uh, they're going to maybe bring someone new on from the outside in 2024. Who knows how it's going to go? But it's just hard to sit there and say, yeah, we're going to hold this job for you for a year uh, and let you just kind of fill right back into it. I don't see that happening. So 
if he want, really wants to be a defensive coordinator in 2024 and he has an opportunity, I could see the Bills doing the right thing and letting him out of his contract if he uh, had any time left. Um, so, I, but no, to answer, long story short, Jessica, I do not see him as defensive coordinator in 2024 <laughs> for the Bills. Our good friend Bernardo Dietze, uh out of Brazil who just had a little baby. Uh, congratulations. That's our picture. Uh, my friend, uh, really awesome, but he's coming in here with some, just, uh, some crazy talk. He should be <laughs> gone after the 13 seconds, Leslie Frazier and McDermott too. Dable should be the head coach wasting the Super Bowl window and look at the defensive line. Why Eric Washington is there. Okay. So a lot of pieces to this first and foremost, listen, if you, if you let Leslie Frazier go after the 13 second fiasco, and if he was really the responsible party to me, Leslie Frazier not being fired after the 13 second situation was an indication that there were more hands in the cookie jar when it came to who screwed that whole thing up. That's part number one, because if it was, and maybe you just, you didn't want to fire Leslie Frazier. There's obviously a history there between him and Sean. Uh, He mentored him in a lot of ways. I get all that, but okay. I could, I could see an argument for firing Leslie Frazier. If you're the bills, if you're Terry Pagula, how are you firing Sean McDermott after Basically, taking this organization out of the absolute dumps and obscurity that it was in for the 17 years before he got here, you know, they've made the playoffs in every single season. Sean McDermott has been the head coach, except for one when they started Josh Allen in his rookie season. I mean, that's crazy talk to me. I'm a big, and that's coming from somebody that's a big Brian Dable fan. I love the fact that he's from Western New York. I thought he did a lot of good things offensively when he was here, but. Listen, a lot of things went right for the Giants in year one. I'm not taking anything away from the way that things worked out for Brian Dable, but let's maybe look down the road in a, in a few years. It's a challenge. Like, you know, he's going to probably lose his offensive coordinator at some point. That's a really hot name. He didn't get a head coaching job, but Mike Kafka could get a head coaching job. How do they turn things over if it if you have to start replacing guys? Wink Martindale, how long is he going to be there? He seems to be – Martindale seems to be fitting into that Leslie Frazier category where you're kind of an older head coach maybe he's not going to get an opportunity we'll see i don't think you're wasting the super bowl window only because the bills have been competitive in their super bowl window and i think the super bowl window is still open do they need to make changes sure i think they're making them um i think that the the, you know the seats are going to get hotter as we move along and also i don't think I, i didn't say dable's overrated Oh, there's a comment in here saying Brian Dable's over it. That's false as well. Like Brian Dable <laughs> is an excellent head coach, an excellent offensive coordinator. And I remember the days when Ryan Talbot and I were on the show talking people off the ledge who wanted Brian Dable fired. So listen, it's an, it's a passionate game. People are passionate about, about this stuff. Bernardo, he, he comes to, to, to the States every year to watch the Buffalo Bills play football. I get it. I'm a little bit more down on Eric Washington than most, but take a deep breath. I think, what we see next year is going to be a, a better indication of where this thing stands, maybe without all of the distractions and the adversity that this team went through. Yeah. As for the 13 seconds, listen, the bills did make a, a coaching change and that was at special teams. And, you know, that kind of tells me that there were more than one coach, more than one, one thing that went wrong in that game. When it comes to Sean McDermott, Matt, you nailed it. There was a graphic before Sean McDermott came along. It was longest playoff droughts in the NFL, and and the Bills are right there in the front of that graphic year after year after year. He comes along. He changes the culture in a year. He changes everything about this team. This team has been a perennial playoff uh, team every year, minus Josh Allen's first (laughs) season. They've been a Super Bowl 
contender, a legitimate Super Bowl contender the last two years. Uh, they're going to continue being viewed that way. And McDermott deserves a, long, uh, a lot of the credit for that. As for Brian Dable going down this, the whole pecking order of, of that comment, I love Brian Dable. I, I think he had an outstanding first year in, in New York, but you never know how those things are going to pan out. You know, and, and it was the same Brian Dable, like you said, <laughs> Matt, that we had to talk fans off the ledge uh, the first few seasons here in Buffalo. And if you look, it took him a long time to find the right situation. Uh, I'm not even going all the way back, but offensive coordinator for the Browns, 2009, 2010, Miami Dolphins, offensive coordinator, 2011, Chiefs, offensive coordinator, 2012, Patriots tight end coach after that, Alabama, then Buffalo. It took a lot of failed offenses, a lot of failed. And listen, a lot of those teams had terrible quarterback play, uh, but it took a lot of failures for him to kind of get it right. Sean McDermott came in first tenure here as a head coach and immediately turned the ship around. Brian Dable, it's promising in New York. You don't you don't know that that was going to be the case necessarily either. McDermott has earned a, a, a lot of uh, cushion his seat shouldn't be hot. He shouldn't be on the hot seat right now. If you, you know, coordinators, that's a, a different ball game, but he's changed everything here in the positive for the bills. Uh, and, and it's hard to see the bills getting rid of him anytime soon. Let's take a, uh, take the temperature of the Jordan Poyer, Tremaine Edmonds watch here. Sorry, I was breaking up. Yeah. <laughs> I thought I lost <laughs> you for a minute. <laughs> Hotel internet, man. It could, it could be a real dangerous game that we play. Let's talk about like the let's take the temperature of the Jordan Poyer Tremaine Edmonds situation because Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott both talked about both of them today. Um, the franchise tag Brandon Bean does not expect to use, which is not news super newsworthy. I think we all kind of expected that. It's a huge number for Tremaine yeah. Edmonds, and I just it does. I don't think it makes sense for Jordan Poyer. I don't think he'd be thrilled with that situation coming back in on a one year deal. Where are you at after hearing them talk today? Like to me. I thought it reinforced hearing McDermott talk about it, like kind of wanting to see where it goes. Like he was asked a couple times about like, all right, what do you envision with this defense with Tremaine Edmonds not being a part of it? And he's like, like, you know, slow down here. Like, you know, that's the sense that I got. Like, let's see how this thing plays out. I still maintain that I think they're going to do everything in their power to keep Edmonds on some type of deal. And, and Brandon B made a point. Like they're still out there trying to figure out their market. And I think a lot of that, feeling out process is going to happen this week in Indy. Yeah. A lot of times players find out what their market is like in Indianapolis or agents find out. I could see a scenario where neither of them are back next year. And I think that Jordan Poyer, his cap hit will be more manageable for the bills if they want to bring him back. Uh, a few weeks ago, we had a show uh, and we talked about the fact that I wouldn't be shocked if the bill said, here's where we have you at. Here's what we want. We can offer you go see what the market's like elsewhere. But this is someone that's going to be 32, I believe, in April. Uh, dealt with a lot of injuries this past season. And kudos to him for playing through said injuries, playing at a high level through those injuries. But there's also a time where the body starts to deteriorate. And, and he's, you know, the Bills can't overpay him just because of the, the good things he's done in the past. You have to think about the future as well. But would they like to have him back for another year or two? I'm sure they would. But they're not going to overpay him. They're going to let him see what the market looks like. Edmonds is a whole different ballpark. And, you know, as much as I'm sure the Bills want him back, I think there's a lot of teams that love his game, love his intangibles, love what he brings. And there's a, a few of those teams that have a lot more cap space than the Bills. 
Uh, so if one team goes out there and goes high on the bills or go, goes higher than the bills can pay, I think he's gone. But if that market's not there and they can get him back on a one year, two year and let him kind of reevaluate the market after that, they would love to do that. He is, he's a fixture from a leadership perspective, from a playing perspective. I know <laughs> fans have had, have knocked him over the years in terms of, uh, of certain aspects of his game, but this past season was the best one yet. And, He's only going to get better. This is someone that's 24 years old uh, and his best football is ahead of him. So, yeah, Edmonds, they're going to do everything in their power. But at the uh, at the end of the day, I see a scenario where neither of them come back and Sean McDermott might have to figure things out on the fly, whether that means draft free agency, uh, whether that means Terrell Bernard. Bernard was mentioned today as someone that the Bills think could play uh, that role. And I, I don't necessarily believe that myself, but. I'm not an NFL head coach or GM. And when they drafted him last year in the third round, maybe this was part of the plan in case Edmonds left. So it's going to be interesting. <laughs> um, but the the bills are in a tough spot financially, even if they open up a lot of the cap space, which you laid out here last week, it, it's going to be tough for them to retain one or both. Yeah. The tough thing with Bernard too, the projection wise, like from a body perspective, he's going to have to get bigger He's going to have to just from uh, what they put on his plate perspective, like it's going to go from zero to a hundred. And I just don't know if that's fair to the player. Like I already think they probably overdrafted him, right? Like I think they probably could have waited a round or two to get him. I know they really like the player and it, and it's, this is a tough thing to talk about because I don't want to downplay Bernard and what he could potentially be. It's a, it's a rookie season. And I think Sean McDermott made a good point on him today in that, you know, a lot of times we don't see the best stuff from a, a, a year one player and they and they find a way to grow into their role. Sometimes we see really great rookie seasons and guys like taper off and not and almost kind of suffer from like maybe setting the bar too high as rookies. So there's potential for growth for Bernard. I'm not taking that away from him. And I think the Holcomb edition is really interesting. But I think also schematically, and Brandon Bean talked about maybe a change in schematics on the offensive side of the ball, or at least having the conversation about if that should be in play, do you really want to run things back? If you're going to continue to be a nickel based defense with an undersized unit already with Taron Johnson playing right. as your third linebacker and then throw Terrell Bernard out there. And then Matt Milano, who in a lot of ways is undersized as well. He doesn't play that way, but that's, that's a really, really small middle of your defense that I just don't know if that's the play. I, I think if you, if you resign Edmonds, of course, that's going to give you that that piece in the middle. But if they don't, I think they really have to take do their due diligence in, in, in this draft and find somebody with the kind of size and speed profile that you can kind of add into the mix and and get creative with how you are going to approach things defensively from a scheme perspective. Yeah, and maybe it's finding uh, someone with a similar skill set early. Maybe it's someone that you want to develop in, in is more of that Edmonds mole. And listen, Edmonds mole, I hate saying that because he's just an athletic freak for his size, his speed. But it goes back to what we said about Bernard being undersized. Uh, I saw a comment in here about a stopgap, and they mentioned Bobby Wagner, Levante David. Uh, I don't know if either of those players will be in the fold for the Bills, but a, a stopgap's not the worst idea for this team if they lose uh Edmonds you bring in a veteran that you have confidence in that you know they might not have the athleticism of an Edmonds but their instincts there 
they haven't really fallen off in terms of their play like a guy like Wagner, all pro uh, this past season. Yes, I, I'm all for that because then you're developing a younger player. You're not putting too much on their plate, whether it's year one for a rookie, year two for a guy uh, like Bernard, and you can bring them along slowly, bring them along the right way. But obviously, of the two players that we've been talking about, Edmonds is their number one priority, at least in my mind, in terms of who they like to bring back. I got to bring back uh, Tops Friendly Markets uh, into your life right now. The big fish, small price. Choose from a huge portion of premium beer-battered haddock or baked Mediterranean haddock for just $10.99 right now. All dinners include a choice of French fries or chef salad, plus a dinner roll and coleslaw, and don't forget the tartar sauce. These delicious fish fries are prepared hot and fresh to order throughout the day and are packaged in Topps fish fry boxes that ensure that your fish is still crisp and delicious during the trip home. You can even get a fried shrimp or scallop dinner, also just $10.99. Best of all, when you buy six fish fry dinners, now through April 8th, You'll get the seventh fish fry for free. Exciting stuff, Ryan Talbot. Final thought, deliver it uh, with a bullet here. Yeah, final thought for the Bills. You know, things are going to be interesting over these next few weeks in terms of what the Bills try to do at uh, defensive coordinator or pseudo defensive coordinator. They might not name someone in title. Uh, But obviously, if the Bills don't interview anyone from the outside, I'm guessing that Sean McDermott's going to have his fingerprints on this defense early on uh, in the year, having a really big role with it. And then they're going to have someone to hand it off to. There's a lot of really good minds in that locker room already. So if I'm a Bills fan, I'm telling you, don't panic. Uh, I think that there's going to be some kind of plan in place there. Uh, This Frazier news, you know, maybe it does allow them to kind of reevaluate things from a Uh, scheme perspective in terms of what they want from a player perspective this could end up being a good thing but it also goes back to what you said matt be careful what you wish for leslie frazier was a great defensive coordinator in his stint here in buffalo final thought for me i i asked brandon bean and sean mcdermott today about jessica pagula's uh letter in the players tribune about her mother kim and it's really the first time that brandon or sean have really talked about you know, what happened with King, with Kim and the cardiac event and, you know, her being away from the team this year. And you know, I was really struck by Brandon because, you know, you, you know, everything that they've gone through this season. And I feel like this, this Kim Pagula thing, because it happened so long ago, back in June of last year, kind of gets pushed, pushed to the back a little bit because of how serious the DeMar situation was. I mean, Dawson Knox lost his brother, all the things that we've talked about, you know, and he, and, and he got a little emotional for a moment. Um, it was off camera. You won't see a video of it anywhere, but he said, one of the things that both of them applauded Jessica and, and, and the amazing letter that, they, that, they, that she put out. But Brandon said, like, more than you just miss Kim's leadership around the building because president of the team, like she had her fingerprint on so many things within the Bills organization. You just miss her as a person, you know, the human side of things, just not having her around the building. And, you know, it was kind of a cool moment to just see him reflect on that a little bit. And, you know, as they continue to share, you know, that story. Uh, and, and, and Kim is, she, she kind of continues to recover from everything. Uh, just kind of a cool moment. So, uh, I want to, I want to get that in here. All right. For Ryan Talbot, I'm Matt Perino. We'll be back. Um, there will be a audio only version. So make sure you download on Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast to shout. Uh, I'm going to have a on the ground, um, version of the podcast. I think sometime tomorrow we'll see when that is. Ryan will be back uh, on Thursday. We're going to recap a little bit more. Uh, from the combine get combine get a little bit more uh, on the player draft side of things 
Uh, and then we might even have a later uh, in the weekend show as well. For Ryan, I'm Matt. See you then. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot.